You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a show all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthily and happily for ourselves and our planet. Hello, friends. I am your host, Rebecca Henson. This is my podcast. If you are new, welcome to the show. And if you're a seasoned podcast listener, as always, thanks for tuning in. I am so happy to have you here today for this solo episode. I haven't had one of these in a while, so I thought I would just sit down and chat about a topic that has been on my mind for quite some time. But before we get into that, I would just like to say if you have been enjoying these podcasts, please be sure to like and subscribe. You can also share the podcast with your friends. All of these things help with SEO. They help other people find the podcast and discover all the great topics that we are discussing. The other thing is, again, I am working on my plant-based gut guide right now, and it should be out in the next week or so, so be sure to sign up for my newsletter, and it's taking a little bit longer than, you know, you always anticipate, right? In my mind, I was like, oh, this will take like a week or two, you know? Oh, no, 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 (laughs) it's taking much longer than that. Uh, You might know that I am doing my yoga teacher training right now. And that is taking up my entire weekends, which being a self-employed person, I usually work all kinds of crazy times and certainly sprinkle in some weekend work. And with my yoga teacher training, I'm finding that more difficult to do. But I am thoroughly enjoying my yoga teacher training. I hopefully will do an episode on that soon. But today's episode, I want to talk about mental health. This is a topic that all of us are aware of. However, we don't talk about it as much as we should. This past year did shed a little bit more light on it and exacerbated the problem even more because mental health has been getting worse around the world and especially here in America for decades It's affecting people at younger and younger ages. There are children literally as early as six being prescribed anti-depression medicine and experiencing mental health issues. And across the board, teenagers, prepubescent, all of these, the rates of their mental health issues has increased dramatically. It's dramatically increasing. But if we're just looking at the past year, in June of 2020, it was reported that 40% of adults were struggling with mental health. Now, I would be curious to see what that number was later in the year. Um, I know that in Japan, they had more suicides in one month than they did of all COVID deaths. Literally more people were killing themselves because of the lockdowns and their livelihoods being taken away, their jobs being taken away, uh, not being able to see friends and family, they were killing themselves. So there were more of that than there were COVID deaths in one month. One month. Majority of those were women um, for some reason in Japan. Also, the suicide hotlines 
have seen an increase in calls, 891% spike in the federal crisis hotline. So we have a pandemic, if you will, on our hands that is mental health. Aside from all the other chronic illnesses that we have in this country and other first world countries, mental health is a huge problem that is just getting worse. And like other issues that we have in our modern society, they are a symptom of a bigger problem. But like all other illnesses in our society, we don't look at the cause. We just try to cover up and mask the symptoms. So a lot of people are on antidepressant medicines. And uh, I will say with that, as I say with everything, of course, there is a time and a place for pharmaceuticals. I do believe that they can be very beneficial in the right circumstance, but the majority of the time, they're not. And we're not looking at the root cause of the issue. Now, again, maybe for a short period of time, they could be very useful while you kind of can work on the back end things um, if it has gotten to that level. But again, we need to look at the root cause. Why is this happening? Why are so many people so unhappy? I mean, aside from, you know, people's jobs and livelihoods and money and the kind of typical economic issues that plague our society and have seemingly gotten worse, uh, no matter who is in charge uh, in our country. But there are other things that need to be looked at, and that is, always comes back to this, the microbiome. So the microbiome or the our GI tract, especially our large intestine, uh, is often coined the second brain. This is also considered the called the, the mind-gut connection. So the microbiome plays a huge role in our mental health. And like I said, it can never be overlooked. And it kind of can be this vicious cycle, right? Because especially with the current state of the world, People have been very stressed out, and in turn, that stress triggers a gut reaction and imbalances our gut microbiome, which then, in turn, our gut microbiome is affecting our mental health. So it becomes this vicious cycle. It's like the chicken before the egg kind of thing, right? Like, you have to address both things because they're both, at this point, contributing to the mental state, And when we look at young people being affected by this at unprecedented rates, the thing we have to consider is their foundation, right? So when I was growing up, glyphosate, Roundup, the intense chemicals being used on on our vegetables and fruits was not in effect yet. That that didn't really ramp up until the 90s and GMOs did not get created until the 90s as well. So GMOs allowed, these genetically modified organisms, allowed the farmers to douse their, their uh, produce with these chemicals and everything but the plant that they were growing would die, right? But of course it's being absorbed. So 
so we see a surge in these pesticides being used in the in the mid 90s. So anyone born after 94 has been consuming this type of food their entire lives. They don't know anything else, you know. Uh, and if their mother obviously was consuming these type of types of foods, then obviously they were. And also there's um, definitely some connection here with the mother's microbiome and then the offspring, right? So you see that passing along. And with my generation being kind of the first to uh, at least experience that in their childhood, because again, 94, I was still a kid, but... So I started eating that kind of stuff when I was, again, not a baby. Thank gosh, it didn't really exist. So I had a little bit better foundation, but still those earlier years, I was eating these genetically modified foods, these foods that were, uh, you know, drenched in lots of chemicals, as opposed to when we look at our grandparents who, there was none of that, right? There was no such thing as organic. They never had to ask, oh, is this organic? Or can I have an organic apple? I don't want any of any of the conventional ones. So th- they had a completely different foundation, right? And it's all about the foundation. Now, again, the connection with the microbiome and mental health is like kind of the new frontier. I've talked about it before on my gut health episode, I think. Uh, and if you're interested in that, I have a great recommendation for a book. It's called The Mind-Gut Connection by Imran Mayer. Imran? I have no idea if that's how you say it. Um, MD. It's a great book. It discusses all of this and it discusses uh, different cases and, and obviously the science behind what is actually happening to your microbiome and to your brain and vice versa. So really great book. And then, of course, the other things that have changed over the decades are technology and the way we communicate with others and the way our society and culture is structured, there is no way that we can discount that as having an impact on our mental health. Again, when we look at kids these days, they barely even go outside. (laughs) They uh, sit on their phones all day long. I mean, heck, you see images of kids, teenagers, whatever, even like 10-year-olds sitting around looking at their phones not even interacting with each other. And I am so grateful that I was not raised in that time period. But at the same time, I see adults doing this too. So I'm not trying to say it's only children. I go out to eat and just, you know, put your phone down, keep it in your car, whatever. Try to be very conscious about it. But then so I start looking around at those around me and it's like 80% of the people are looking down on their phones <laughs> instead of having conversations. And I, I think that long-term, this is going to have major impacts just, again, socially because people are not going to know how to interact in real life. <laughs> and they're going to be even more awkward and it's going to cause them more anxiety because these are things that, you know, you develop as a child and and certainly now school being all... Um, a lot of schools being held online, it is not the same. <laughs> it is not the same. There is no substitution for being in real life with someone, being in their presence physically with them, you know? 
And again, that has an impact on us. We are tribal species. We are meant to be in groups. Um, Apparently the number is, I think, either 100 or 150 is the ideal amount uh, of like a community to have. This is why I think a lot of times people in large cities, they say, feel more lonely because they're surrounded by too many. And, and as humans, we cannot, it, it like doesn't compute, right? We cannot handle that many relationships. So it's really meant, to, we're meant to live in smaller communities, um, but we're meant to live in communities. And when you have everybody online and nobody's in person anymore, that is going to have an impact on our mental health. I always take it back to the blue zones, which I have an episode on that. And I love talking about that, the, uh, those societies and those places, because that is one of the things that they all have in common is that they have a tight knit community and they're all happier for it. They have less mental health issues. They have a higher quality of life because they have that human connection that can never be replaced with technology. It can never be replaced. You know, I mean, I think of it often now as it seems like science fiction is becoming real life (laughs) and some of the science fiction horror films that have come out over the decades is becoming real. But it's kind of that same thing. Like AI can never take the replacement of real human interaction and it always comes at a cost. And that's the same when it comes to technology just in general it can never take take the spot of it. So it's great to be able to Zoom with your family. I'm not saying that that's not good because it is so nice. And I love that we are so connected to those all around the world. It is amazing, you know. I mean, I think that it's helping, helping people open their eyes to other cultures and other ways of life. And also it's good for the <laughs> vegan movement because people can see the truth, um, about the animal agriculture issue, but again, it's not a substitute. Um, It's just another thing that we can use, but it doesn't replace that. So mental health and real life interaction always is going to be number one. And from that, it segues to, you know, us being connected to nature. And the further away we get from nature, the closer we get to disease. There was a really great meme that I saw recently that said something to that effect. And we certainly see this happening as we become more dependent, reliant, and obsessed with technology, computers, our phones, and these kind of things. We are stuck inside more. And we are looking at videos of people being out in nature. And that's not a replacement. You know, we are nature we are part of nature and the further and further we get away from that is when we become unhappy and depressed and it seems so simple to get outside but yet so many people are not doing it never in the history of humanity have we spent such little time outdoors it's really been the last hundred years that we have ventured inside more and now spend the majority of our days inside. It's crazy to think that in the past, doctors used to actually prescribe 
for their patients to go outside or to be in nicer weather. There, is, there are a lot of different, uh, quote, famous people who have beautiful houses or mansions that they built, you know, in the early 1900s or later or earlier. And the reason why they moved or built these beautiful houses was because they themselves or their spouse was sick and the doctor literally prescribed them to go outside and to be in a nicer temperature. Um, Example is in South Carolina at the Huntington Beach State Park near Polly's Island uh, or Merle's Inlet. There is a castle called Adelaide, which was built by an industrialist named Archer Huntington. And he built it for his wife who was suffering from tuberculosis and their doctor literally told them that they needed to move to a milder retreat um, for her health. And now, can you even imagine a doctor prescribing to be outside or to move to better weather? (laughs) That would never happen, right? (sighs) So going back to nature, reducing anxiety, stress, depression, you know, these are things that have been studied. Not that you really need a study for this because it's so obvious, I feel like, and You can easily do it yourself and see the benefits. So who really needs a study? But that being said, there are tons of studies on the benefits of being out in nature, the wilderness, literally just being outside and how it can boost your your mood, your spirits, um, literally reduce your blood pressure. And also (laughs) it helps your microbiome. So being in different environments, whether that be in the forest, in your backyard, it doesn't matter. Being in a different environment helps strengthen your microbiome because every environment has its own microbiome, right? In the air, everything has its own microbiome. Um, So its own microbiota, its own flora. And being in all these different environments exposes you to those different environments and strengthens your own microbiota. It is pretty fascinating. So moral there is, to get the heck outside. I know that it's difficult in the winter months, especially if you live in a place that is cold. I totally feel you. Granted, I don't live in an extremely crazy cold place, but this winter has been exceptionally cold. I think a lot of people can say that. And gosh darn, look at Texas. I feel horrible for them. But I personally am... The most depressed in the winter. I mean, that's, again, not something new. Everybody kind of, not everyone, but a lot of people say this and a lot of people have seasonal affective disorder. I have that. I am very uh, affected by the weather and we've had a lot of cloudy days, a lot of rainy days, and I have felt not very uh, upbeat, you know, kind of more doom and gloom days. And I'm aware of it. I'm aware that I'm affected by the weather. So I I just try to make an effort to go outside as often as I can when the weather permits that. And I obviously encourage everyone else to do that. Another thing that has changed over the years and can make a big impact on depression and anxiety, again, not a shocker here, is exercise. Exercise is one of the greatest ways to reduce depression and you know, the nature thing can kind of go with that because you can go out into nature and walk and walk and, you know, jog or ride your bike or do all kinds of things. But again, if the weather's not nice, you still need 
to try to get some type of exercise in, try to move your body. And these are, this is something, again, that has changed dramatically in the past few decades, really. It hasn't even been that long of a time. Again, because of, I believe, and I think a lot of people would say, that technology, it has created um, this kind of world for us to live in and not have to go outside, right? I mean, or not have to do anything else, right? I mean, you can just watch videos all day and be entertained and stimulate your mind over stimulation, but you can be entertained and not have to think about these things. Um, but with that, we should actually be use this technology to our advantage when it comes to exercise. And I know a lot of people have been doing this this year with exercising, doing videos, yoga workouts, you know, a lot of those kind of things have gone online. So just moving your body, oh my gosh, it's it's so huge. And I know so many people who, you know, once they start exercising and they get into a routine, that can be a difficult thing to actually get into the routine. But once you do, it's it just comes naturally and you can't live without it, right? So some of the other things that can help with depression and mental health, uh, of course, is food, which we kind of talked about at the beginning of how certain foods can impact in a negative way, but there are certain foods that can impact in a positive way. Certainly, those are going to be all the foods that are healing for your gut because that's what you need. So lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, surprising, right? There are also some different adaptogens that can be helpful. I have talked about these, I think, before. Ashwagandha is a, a great herb that helps bring homeostasis and helps your body adapt to stress because, I mean, the truth of the matter is that <laughs> at this point, the stressors that we have in our life, we can help diminish them, but they're not going to go away to how they were years ago or something, right? I mean, we just have to learn to adapt to them. And by giving our body certain types of tools to use, that can be beneficial. So ashwagandha, I would encourage you to look into. CBD has also been really helpful for me in the past. Um, again, look into it to yourself, uh, for yourself and see if that is something that you think would benefit you. And... You know, these things can also help you sleep better. A lot of times people who have a lot of mental health disorders uh, or mental health issues are not sleeping well, you know, um, and that is one of the number one things to cause issues. Um, some other things that can help with your microbiome, of course, are going to be probiotics. Now, I don't think that probiotics are the end-all be-all. I think that getting healthy probiotics from your food and also encouraging your bacteria to flourish by eating lots of fiber-rich food because that's what your bacteria loves to eat. It loves fiber. That is what it lives off of. So eating lots of fiber-rich foods, but probiotics can be helpful. Um, Probiotic-rich foods would be fermented foods, so sauerkraut, kimchi, miso, tempeh is like one of my favorite things ever if you don't know how to cook tempeh it's super easy you literally just slice it and then you can put tamari sauce coconut aminos um, I like to use barbecue sauce sometimes <laughs> um, literally just make it whatever you want I mean it's like anything you just season it with your favorite seasons 
So those are things that I love to incorporate into my diet to help make sure that my microbiome is at a healthy level and healthy and balanced. Also omega-3s. I get omega-3s from flax seeds. You can also get an algae omega. Those can be beneficial in your microbiome health and mental health. Another supplement and making sure you're getting enough of it is going to be vitamin D. And this totally makes sense, obviously, when we're talking about nature and being outside. And in the winter months, we are not outside getting that vitamin D. And it is directly linked to mental health. And lots of studies have been done showing vitamin D uh, acts like a hormone in the body and affects your brain function. So it's no wonder that it's linked to an increased risk in mood disorders, seasonal, seasonal affective disorder, depression. So making sure that you are getting enough vitamin D. I will link the vitamin D supplement that I take. It's just in a dropper. It is vegan, of course. And I'll link that below in just a little bit. So those are a few things that I can recommend. Uh, you know, of course, depression is something that should not be taken lightly, especially if it seems to be ongoing and you can't get out of it, can't get out of the funk. Therapy, of course, 100%. I think that everybody should be able to go to therapy. I know it's annoying because these are things that should be included in insurance and things like that, but they're not, of course. The things that actually could help prevent some catastrophic things are not included in insurance naturally, but therapy is something really amazing. Um, if you can find someone who you click with, um, and who you can just bounce off your ideas, you know, and don't think that 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 your problems are trivial or that nobody cares or, you know, I mean, I think that sometimes people feel embarrassed because they're depressed because a lot of times it doesn't have to be the down the super downtrodden. It can affect anyone. It doesn't matter, but just make sure that you reach out to someone close to you or a loved one. Just don't let it get too far gone with the state that you're in. And, you know, one of the things in yoga that has been said is that you cannot replace spiritual needs with material things. And I think a lot of times in our society, we try to cover up the symptoms with... Um, just that material stuff you see this a lot with people who buy a lot of stuff right they keep buying like cars and houses and all this stuff and yet they're still so unhappy and it's like well there's there's some other work that needs to be done you know and we just need to recognize that spirit heals spirit so that means that for in order for us to heal, heal our spiritual needs our mental needs, there are other things that we need to look into. And that is, you know, the way we're living, um, getting connecting back to nature, connecting back to our fellow spiritual beings, you know, our fellow humans on this planet, and recognizing obviously what we're eating, what we shouldn't eat, what we should eat. Again, I think that one of the ways we're going to heal our minds and our bodies 
is to recognize that what we're doing and the way we're living does not align with our souls. It's killing the planet when we look at pesticides and chemicals and industrial farming and all of these practices that are toxic to our bodies and the world, you know, um, and then the way we're living our lives is not natural. It's literally not natural. And I think once we can all agree on this, you know, we'll all be in a better state. But it's hard to convince everyone that that's their problems. I mean, a lot of people want to just take a magic drug. And I've said that I think that there is a time and a place, but that is not getting to why it's happening. You know, why Why is everyone sick? Why is depression increasing? Why does everyone have heart disease? Why does everyone have cancer? Why are these numbers increasing? There's obviously something that we're doing and we're doing it wrong <laughs> because that is not our default. Our default state of being is homeostasis. It is balance. That's where our body wants to be. That's where our mind wants to be. That's where our soul wants to be. That's how we were created. Whoever created us, whether it was God, whoever, whatever you call God, universe, Heck, even if it what, even if you don't believe in that, even if you think it was an accident, it was a pretty beautiful accident, right? And we were designed perfectly. I mean, if it was an accident, that's pretty amazing because we certainly wouldn't have survived this long if we had been flawed, if we were created flawed. <laughs> Humans would not be here. You know, we have survived thousands of years and it's only recently that things have gotten worse with our health. Um, you know, there's always been some type of issues as there, I mean, of course, there's going to be disease on the planet, but the amount of disease and the amount of mental anguish that we have today is unprecedented. So if you or someone you know is suffering from depression, please reach out to them or if you are the one Please reach out to a loved one, you know, contact a therapist, um, let someone know so that you don't have to walk it alone. Because I think a lot of times people are, like I said, embarrassed to talk about it. And so they try to do it by themselves, but it's always better together, right? It's always better when we're healing to have some type of support group. And mental health is the same as if you were healing from you know, an autoimmune disease or healing from, you know, high blood pressure, whatever it is, it's advantageous to have someone who can be your cheerleader. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes people get uncomfortable with mental health issues. I mean, with all the issues, you know, I've, I've recognized, I've realized that people don't know how to respond when someone is sick. And I think that this is something we all need to work on and recognize that, you know, it doesn't have to be this like awkward, uncomfortable thing, right? I mean, again, we're all humans and we all go through our own different issues um, and we just need to support one another. So I hope that helps. I hope this was helpful in some way. I would like to do an episode maybe further and more in depth on mental health, if that is something, or the gut microbiome effect of mental health, because I have... I could go more sciencey on that 
And if that's something that you're interested in, please let me know. Again, make sure to sign up for my newsletter at therefinedhippie.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at therefinedhippie. And you are a beautiful, beautiful soul. And until next time, peace and plants. 